Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, I'm going to keep it 100 right up front. I don't know exactly where we're going with today's podcast. I have a list of things that I want to talk about. I will also let you know I celebrated a little earlier today. I went out with my cousin. She's been out of town for a couple days and I'm headed out of town in the morning. I'm headed to ABFF, the TV film that I've been working on, Don't Waste Your Pretty. I'm doing an event for it at ABFF, which I'm over the moon about. I got a car picking me up at 4 a.m. for a 6 a.m. flight from LAX to Miami. This is our one day of overlap in the city. We ended up at a Mexican spot. She only knows one way to celebrate, and that's with tequila. (laughs) I'm still tipsy. I'm sorry. I've been out here just living. (laughs) The other day, I had to go meet up with a suit. If you watch Entourage, you know what that means. One of the corporate guys, the money men. So meeting up with the suit, he's the big boss. He's helping me monetize a project that I'm working on. I'm showing up expecting to be a creative who's going to tap dance for my dollars so that I can sing. Money is coming. Money is coming. Like Nola from She's Gotta Have It. The suit is a suit, but he ain't a typical suit. He's super cool and fine. Kind of messed my head up because I wasn't expecting that. I prepare for meetings. I'm a journalist at heart. I can't help it. I knew what he looked like. I'm expecting that the suit is fine, but the suit is going to act like a suit. Like he's going to be a nerdy type. He's going to be like that try too hard to be down type. And I'm going to roll with it because money is coming. Money is coming. I show up and the suit got mad swag. Threw me off my game a little bit. So after I end up having emergency drinks with one of my girls. This is one of my girls from New York. Everyone in New York lives out here. It's, it's like New York West. Meet up with my homegirl. There's a wait. She's in her phone. I put our names on the list. I'm like, Demi, party of two. I see her look up from her phone, but she doesn't say anything. We get our table. We're sitting down. We're talking. We're laughing. This woman that I met at an event a couple weeks ago is there. She says, Demi. I look up. I remember the woman. We have a nice chat. We catch up. We promise to stay in touch. She goes away. My East Coast friend is cool. She's, she's personable. She's outgoing. She's cool the whole time. Soon as the woman walks away, she looks me in my face and goes, Demi? This is one of those times I wish I was doing video for the podcast. The look of utter contempt and disgust in her face. She was like, I didn't say nothing about the blonde hair. I didn't say nothing about you drinking green smoothies for breakfast. I didn't say nothing about the hikes because the hikes are good for all of us. Demi? You going by Demi now? I am. I think it's cute. Demi. Demi? Demi. Demi Moore is a Demetria. Demi Lovato is a Demetria. Why can't Demetria Lucas be a Demi? The look of disgust. Utter disgust. I like Demi. And I like my green smoothies. Have you tried them? I had a harvest bowl earlier. I'm out of smoothies. I'm going out of town for a while. Don't try to rob my house. I have a house sitter. That's not the point. The point is, I had all these daily harvests. And even though you can keep them in the freezer, they'd be totally fine when I got back. But I ate all like the other food. And then I was left with just the daily harvest food. So the last thing I had to eat in my refrigerator was a harvest bowl. Cauliflower, rice, and pesto. 
It was good. There was also some some spinach, some basil, some olive oil, some cashews. I sound way too excited about food. You want to know why? Because I ate that harvest bowl like six hours ago and I'm hungry. <laughs> and there's no food. In L.A., at least the, like the part that I'm living in, tons of restaurants, tons of, of takeout. I could totally call Grubhub right now, right? Everything's closed. Like all the decent stuff. I wish I had another harvest bowl right now. I'm hungry. Remember when Beyonce said that in Homecoming? And she looked so sad. She was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. It'll be worth it. I'm going to Miami. I'll be in not a two-piece. But I'll be in a skimpy one piece, some cheeks out. But if you, too, are one of those people that doesn't go to the grocery store as often as you should or just needs to keep emergency food on tap, be a little more responsible than me and order your daily harvest and make sure you have an ample supply. For those of you who haven't been listening to the last couple podcasts, daily harvest is great. (laughs) I've been talking about it nonstop for like three weeks now. Daily Harvest is the easiest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables first thing in the morning, before bed, and anytime in between. It's 11, 10 p.m. I'd actually take a smoothie right now. I'd actually take food right now. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm just, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. You can choose for more than 50 nourishing options for any time of day. Each single serving cup takes one step to prepare. You just add water or milk. I do almond milk to your smoothie, or you can just heat up a harvest bowl. Really, five minutes. That's all it takes. If you're interested in trying out my L.A. life at home, you can go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code RESPECTABLE to get three free cups in your first Daily Harvest box. That's promo code RESPECTABLE for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. Dot com. What else is going on in the world? One of my loves, one of my dear friends, Elaine Welteroth, just released her first book, More Than Enough. She sent me a copy. I'm so thankful for it. It's such a beautiful cover. I plan to read it on this six-hour flight to Miami. Can I tell you, it sounds crazy to me to travel six hours to Miami. I'm used to Miami being a quick two-hour flight from BWI or DCA down to Miami or two and a half from New York. Miami was always the quick getaway. Now I'm like flying to Miami for the same amount of time it takes to get to London from New York. I feel a way about this flight. I mean, I'm going to go, but I feel a way about it. Plus, here's the other part about flying out of LAX. From my house to LAX at any other time of day, other than trying to catch a 6 a.m. flight or a red eye somewhere, takes me two hours because of traffic. I got a truck coming to pick me up at 4 a.m., You know how long it takes to get to LAX? 30 minutes. No traffic, 30 minutes. With traffic, 90. Traffic in this city is nutso. I thought Atlanta traffic was bad. I thought Nairobi traffic was bad. D.C. at rush hour, trash traffic. Love that city. Traffic is trash. L.A. traffic, I've never seen anything like it. You will be at a standstill in traffic at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night. I'm like, where are y'all going? One o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, shouldn't everybody be at work? Aha. Aha. It's a city full of freelancers. Ain't nobody in the office. Wait. I guess that applies to me, too. 
Okay, scratch that part about freelancers. But yeah, traffic sucks. But my girl just wrote a book, and I'm super proud of her more than enough. I have known Elaine for, how long have I known Elaine? 2010, maybe? Earlier than that. Elaine came to the first Cocktails with Belle that I had. She was an editor at Ebony Magazine. She was doing beauty over there. An editor that worked with me, Andrea Arterberry. I call her Blondie. She has blonde hair. Like super blonde, platinum bright blonde. Elaine was a friend of Andrea. Andrea and I worked together. So I would hang out with Andrea. And I think that's how I met Elaine. When I left Essence, she left Ebony around the same time. I think we put in notice maybe the same week. It was Blondie's 30th birthday party. And some basement in the city. I was drinking a lot of cranberry and vodkas back then. The details of some nights escaped me. But I remember in the middle of this party... Elaine and I find each other and in the middle of this grand celebration, we have this really like deep talk about hopes and dreams and stepping out on faith and what's next and did we make the right decision? A lot of editors that I came up with at that time, like there was no real blueprint for what was next. It was like, do you stay at the magazine and you try to work your way up to editor in chief or deputy editor or executive editor? Like, is that the goal? We both worked at magazines for a significant amount of time. I was at Essence for four years. The what's next for me wasn't a promotion to another editorial position. It's just not what I wanted. Like, I always wanted to work for a magazine. I'd always wanted to work for Essence. And I was there, and I loved it. Like, that was an amazing job. Like, literally, my job was to, like, find fine men and talk about sex, dating, and relationships. Something I clearly have a passion for. I love that job. 2011, that's when it was, when we both left our positions. I left in September. It was right after Fashion Week. I dyed my hair blonde then, too. I gave notice at my job on, like, a Tuesday, and then I went and dyed my hair that Saturday. Shaved my head and dyed my hair that Saturday. Whenever I'm going through a big transition, I dye my hair blonde. I don't know what that's about. I need to investigate that. That might not be, that might be a little more tragic than I think it is. Oh, no, 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 no. It's stripping away. Bleach strips. Okay. It's not about trying to look like a white girl because it's not like I'm straightening it. It's just blonde. But blonde on black girls is statement hair. It depends on what type of statement that you're attempting to make. I'm going to go with the bleach stripping starting anew. That works for me. But anyway, at this party, we, we were both talking about how scared we were of what was next. I wanted to turn A Bell in Brooklyn into a TV series. There have been producers sniffing around the book. Alicia Keys' company was signed on for a while to executive produce a TV series for Bell in Brooklyn. And I was really excited. I thought it was going to be this overnight success. Not quite. Elaine's goal was to do TV segments. You know how you watch morning talk shows and they have an editor from Glamour and they'll come on and they'll talk about these, these are the spring trends in beauty or fashion. That's what she wanted to do. And now she's a host. On Project Runway, I turn on the Met Gala pre-show two years in a row. And it's Elaine sitting up there giving commentary. And every time I see her, I think about that conversation at, at Blondie's birthday party of how we were both so scared and we had these big dreams. And she's living hers. It's amazing. You go to her Instagram, you see her palling around with Michelle Obama. She launched her book tour with a one-on-one chat with Lupita and Youngo. I'm so amazingly proud of her. Really good chick. So I'm taking her book with me to Miami. Hopefully, I'll get some beach time in. And if not, I'll be on the East Coast 
all next week. I've got plenty of Amtrak time. So she sent me a copy, but I wanted to support her. So I went and got an Audible account. You know, I'm a writer, like a writer's writer, an author. So like, I like an actual book. I like to turn the pages. But all of my friends are listening to audiobooks and they're getting information like way faster than I am because I don't always have time to just like sit down with a book. With an audiobook, you can be doing something else and then also, you know, getting the book. So I got an Audible account and the first book that I downloaded was Elaine's. Audible's great. It's only been a couple days, but so far, so good. I also got Michelle Obama's book. I heard at one point when she's reading, I think what she's talking about her dad, her voice cracks. I want to hear the emotion in her voice. In theory, this should feel to me like listening to a podcast from my favorite author. Like I'm listening to my favorite author tell me, almost like a bedtime story, but throughout the day. Just an FYI on Audible. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more. All professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational speakers. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post delivered daily to their Audible app. Wait, does that mean I don't have to pay for the Washington Post pieces anymore? Because Washington Post has like really good stories, but you can only get like five free a month. And it's always like the sixth story where I'm like, oh, this looks good. And then I click it and it's like, you've met your free quota for the month. You have to sign up. It's $1 for this. And blah. I'm like, are you serious right now? I just wanted to read the piece. Does Audible cut that out? I'll let you know. I'm gonna start listening to the Washington Post. See how that works out. Audible is also super convenient. Members can access Audible at any time at the gym while commuting on the go, and on any device. It will always pick up wherever you left off. Speaking of the gym, members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Hmm, audible fitness. In my head, that sounds like someone giving instructions while line dancing. Like, to the left, to the left, dip, baby, dip. That's probably not at all what it sounds like. It's just, you know. I told you I drank earlier. I don't know what you want from me right now. If you're interested in trying out Audible, you want to get a copy of Elaine Welteroth's new book, More Than Enough, Claiming Space for Who You Are, No Matter What They Say. It's also a foreword by Big Sis, not Auntie, Big Sis, Ava Duvernay. Head on over to Audible. and You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook, plus two Audible originals, are free. You can visit audio.com slash respectable. That's audible.com slash respectable. Or you can text respectable to 500-500. That's easy enough. Please tell me you know how to spell respectable. R-E-S-P-E-C-T-A-B-L-E. Stop playing with me, educated folk. I'm so happy for Elaine. I love watching people chase their dreams. You know we gotta talk about the new Queen Sugar. I hope you watched it, because I'm about to just spoil everything. Your girl? I used to call her Sister Nova. She ain't no sister of mine. That's a shady palm tree of a person. I can't believe she did that shit last night. We knew Nova was writing a book from last season. We knew it was a book that was gonna spill some tea. I don't know why I just assumed Nova was going to spill her own tea. Because Lord knows she got enough of it. 
between dating a married man who was going to leave his family for her. And then she went out with him and one of his colleagues straight spit in her face. I was like, sis, that's three good chapters right there. You got an opening scene about being a black woman getting spit in the face by a white dude. A friend of your married lover. Hun, I'm here for your tea. I want to know what happens next. She was selling weed, which ain't legal in New Orleans. Which I'm like, sis, you out here all righteous. You a goddamn drug dealer. She stayed with a mess. She was dating a sister man. Like, you knew that was your sister, man. It's not like they had a sneak relationship. You had no idea. That man came around as your sister, man. I know your sister just showed up from California after a divorce. You might have felt like, oh, I should have had access. But sis, you slept. She woke. That was your bad. You can't go date some man after your sister dated him. Ma'am. All of that was terrible. But this new shit she on... Girl, how you going to write a whole book about other people's tea? Charlie's tea ain't your tea. Whatever happened with Charlie and Davis and the mistress, that's Charlie's business. That's not your business. What's going on with Ra and Darla and Blue and the mystery man who's Blue's father? That's not your business. Whatever happened with Vi and her ex-husband, whatever's going on with Hollywood and he was still married to get Cousin Pam some health insurance. That's their business. How are you going to put their business in your book without permission and then going to wait till your book gets all the way to two weeks before release before you decide to say something? Let me tell you something about the book writing process. It's long as hell. I sent the proposal for Bell in Brooklyn in October 2009. A Bell in Brooklyn came out June 2011. And that's normal. Unless your book has a very specific timing to it, like say, what was the lady who spilled Nicole Simpson's tea in the middle of the OJ trial? They wrote that book in like four weeks. Something like that where it's extenuating circumstances where there's an extreme timeliness factor to the sale of the book. You could, you could fast track something like that. Before I was an Essence editor, I spent five years working in publishing. The quickest you could ever get a book signed and out, six to eight months. And that's fast because romance works on a different timeline. Nova been knew about this book. She had a proposal for this book. Remember she had all those like those stickies all over her board. She was deciding what to write. Very typical of an author. But you sat there and wrote down other people's business, put it up on your sticky board wrote it in your proposal, had your agent go shop the proposal. The proposal was read by a bunch of other people. It finally got picked up. Somebody greenlit it. And then you had a few months, if not a year, to write that ish. From the time it was written and you submitted it, it had to be edited. It had to be copywritten. You had to do a cover shoot. There's so much, so much that goes into the process of a book being an idea and then a book actually getting to the stands. It's really an 18-month process. That means Nova had all that goddamn time to say something to her family or to be like, you know what? These ain't my stories to tell. Maybe I should just write about my own ish. And I should talk about issues without specifically using examples of people in my family and putting all their tea on the table and fucking up their lives. Or worst case scenario, she could have written it. She could have gave her family copies early on. 
to be like, hey, family, this is what I submitted to my editor. Why don't you take a look at it before everything is finalized and we're moving forward and let me know how you feel about it. At least give the people who you're writing about an opportunity to to say something, to have input. That little heifer. She just told everybody's tea and give them no heads up. Poor Charlie at the podium trying to accept an award. And Charlie, Charlie ain't my favorite person, but Charlie ain't deserved to be blindsided like that. I'm waiting to watch it unravel. But your girl, I don't usually condone violence. But if Charlie had one good hit on Nova upside her head, I wouldn't say Charlie was wrong. I would say, well, you know, tempers flare sometimes. Girl, I can't believe you did that to your own damn family. And I also say this, like, I've written a memoir. I wrote about people that I dated. I wrote about people I was in relationships with. I changed the names. I changed the identifying details. In a bell in Brooklyn, there are three people who specifically asked to be named by their government names or their popular nicknames and to be described as they are because they wanted to be a part of the book that way. And I know that because I asked them before I included them. The folks that I didn't ask, folks who I wrote about, I told Mr. X, I was like, you know, I'm writing this book, right? And he was like, sure, just change my name. And I was like, you don't care about anything that I say. Like, do you want to read it? Do you want to know what I'm talking about? And he was like, your truth is yours. Tell it. Okay. Stars got a copy in advance. It was still time to change it if I needed to. He said there were some details I wish you could have added. But overall, like, I don't think it's disparaging. And that wasn't the point of the book. I wasn't writing to disparage. I wasn't writing to judge. Like, I was writing to share my experiences And I told stories about how I learned from those experiences. Key words, my experiences. And also, like the book I'm working on now, it's about the last two years of my life. In general, it's about starting over. Very specifically, it's about recovering from a divorce. What do you do when you pull the pin in your own grenade, blow your life up? I chose to blow my life up. Other people, things happen. But it's like, what is that recovery process like? And in examining how I got to the point where, you know, my life is in shambles, I really had to look at some of the decisions that I made and why I made them. Some of those decisions, and you can hear me as I'm speaking, carefully using my words. Some of those decisions are based on things that I saw growing up. My understanding of what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable, what's not, what I wanted, what I don't is largely based on being a product of my parents' marriage. My parents have been married for 42 years. I don't think I'm giving anything away to say that in 42 years of marriage, they've had ups and downs. They've had some great moments. They've had some, we all could have behaved better moments. Again, I'm choosing my words carefully. And the reason I do so, I still got to show up to Thanksgiving every year. Nova's ass can't show up to no more Thanksgivings. You out, sis. But I really do think about that. Like, and I have, I've had several conversations with my parents about what they are okay with me, including about their relationship in my book. And I asked them out of respect, because it's one thing for me to be like, you know what? I want to tell all my business. I want to tell all my tea. I want to tell the best in times and the worst of times over the last two years. That's my story. Their story, even though I, I was witness to it, is not mine. Their marriage is theirs. Like I get to see it because I grew up in it. 
And for a year and a half, I'm living in the house with them with another up close vantage point. But there's their marriage is theirs. But I think very deeply about that. Even when Damon was on the show, if you heard my interview with um, with Damon from Very Smart Brothers, he wrote a really great memoir recently as well. What doesn't kill you makes you blacker. One of the first things I asked him when I had him on the show and I was like, bruh, like you talked about your parents with details that I would never do. And he was like, I talked to my father about what I was putting in the book. The details didn't make him uncomfortable. Damon's father trusted Damon to tell his story with dignity, with humanity. And I think he did that very well. But Damon asked him. Michael Arsenault also wrote a really great memoir. It's one of my favorite writers. I love that dude. Dame too. But Michael Arsenault wrote this really great book. I Can't Date Jesus. I need to ask him sometime if that's based on like a very infamous quote that I ended up having to publicly apologize for when I was on that reality show. In a less than proud moment, I made a very acute observation about the things you can and cannot do with Jesus. My mother called me the day after the episode aired and she said, I want you to know I laughed at it, but you also went too far. When you get a chance, you need to apologize for that. So I went on, what's that show? Watch What Happens Now. I got the opportunity and I was like, yeah, that was was a bit much. I went a little beyond my limits. But I really need to go back and ask him about that. I would love to have him on the show. That's one of my favorite people. I love that dude to death. But he also shared some details about his parents. And as I was reading the book, I had to text him. And I was like, bruh, did your mom read this? He said she knew what was in it. But again, even in the details that he was telling, it was very specific to something that had impacted him. Like he wasn't just out here spilling his parents' tea just for the sake of it. Like it was very specific to the point that he was trying to make. And then he moved on to another topic. Nova's version just sounds like she was out here just telling like, so here's a story about Charlie and she's the type of black woman that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, girl, you said that about your own blood sister? I know she's half, but y'all was raised like siblings. There's been a lot of stuff lately with people putting a business in the street. Not just fiction. TMZ earlier this week ran a story about the cause of death from T.I.'s sister. T.I.'s sister was not a celebrity. She had appeared on his show in a very marginal way. I don't watch his show, so I don't know. But from what I read, she appeared on his show in a very marginal way as T.I.'s sister. She was not a main character and thusly not a public figure. So when you're a public figure, the gloves are off. People can say almost anything about you and reporting on the cause of your death in a news fashion or a gossip blog it's fair game she was not that ti went off as he should have and it was so bad that tmz who i've never seen run a retraction tmz has said all sorts of crazy stuff about people but tmz actually ran a retraction and apologized which they should have it's you know i'm a journalist i know basic media ethics and standards, they went too far. I think. I know. As a journalist, as an editor, I wouldn't have run that story. I wouldn't have allowed it. I would not have allowed it to run. I wouldn't be surprised if he sues them or if he's not currently suing them. My apologies. I don't have the details that I usually would for this podcast. I've been running around all week preparing for ABFF and this screenplay that they're going to read on Friday. 
Hmm. I didn't think I was going to talk about this. I think I will, though. couple things. I'm really nervous about this, this TV film project. And I don't know why. Like, everything's rolling along pretty well. But it's just, I'm stepping into a new terrain. And I'm a little off balance. Which I think makes sense, given the circumstances. I'm just not quite accustomed. I also think, too, I'm turning 40 in a few weeks. And my trepidation around my birthday is also very new. Like, I turned 30, and I didn't care one way or the other. I was like, oh, 30, all right, whatever. 35, all right, cool, whatever, didn't care. It's not like I think you turn 40 and fall off the face of the earth or your looks go to crap. I know your metabolism does. The way I got to work out just to maintain these days, oh, my God. But I think for the other milestone birthdays, I felt like, I was where I wanted to be in life or even further ahead than I thought I would be. So I was like, oh, okay, like I'm turning 30, but I feel like I have something to show for 30. So I'm good. Or I'm turning 35. So I feel like I have something to show for 35. But I'm turning 40. And I don't have what I think is something to show for 40. I know that probably sounds ludicrous to people. I I, literally two minutes ago, I was just talking about like a TV film based on one of my books. Like that's big. And in my head, I realize that. But if we're just talking about like what I feel, I recognize it's a big deal, but I don't feel it's enough. I feel like I should, I should have more. Like I'm turning 40 and I've only written two books. I feel like there should be five. Like we're shopping the book proposal right now for Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal, but we're shopping it. It hasn't been signed. There are a lot of projects on the horizon, but there's nothing other than the TV film that's official, official. I don't know. I just feel for the last 18 months or so, I've been very focused on pulling myself together which is very new for me and probably how I ended up in this whole situation. I spent 17 to 35, maybe completely in grind mode, completely trying to build my career, build a profession, build my resume, build accolades, just build, stack money, build, 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 build. And I spent a lot of time building a career And not enough time building myself. So the last year and a half, I haven't been as focused on a career. Like I've done stuff here and there. But I haven't really been focused like I could be, like I should be. I was working on myself. And so I am in a much better place. Like I moved to L.A. I've got like the loft that I always wanted. I got this view of the mountains. And it's dope. But I still just don't feel personally like about me I'm good but professionally I just feel like there's so much more I could have done and I worry sometimes about that mindset because my reaction is to go into grind mode again to make up for lost time right but I also know that being in grind mode and not focusing on myself is part of the reason My life exploded. 
That's a challenge for me that I'm working on. You know what else is challenging for me? I don't think of myself as a public figure. I don't think of myself as a celebrity. Occasionally I'll acknowledge like, oh, okay, I'm popular, whatever. I have friends who are far more popular, who are bona fide celebrities who can't walk down the street anymore. So in comparison to that, like I never walk around thinking like, oh, people know who I am. I'd be shocked every time somebody knows me. One of the downsides of being known is that people like to piece through your life and your associations. Sometimes they make more of them than what they are. Sometimes they make less of them than what they are. Sometimes people just don't respect boundaries or relationships. And I don't mean like being all up in boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, blah, blah, blah. But just relationships that you might have with other people, interpersonal relationships. So earlier this week, someone that I consider a friend ended up in the middle of a media storm. It's not the first time. Like I said, some of my friends are very popular. Sometimes they do things that baffle me as a friend with a platform who talks about pop culture, current events, entertainment, just random ish that other people are talking about. People will come to me and be like, well, what did you think about what so-and-so said since that's your friend? In this situation, I got bombarded with people asking me what I thought. I wrote a post on Monday because I woke up just thinking about like life and turning 40. And I think it was, you know, 30 days out from my 40th birthday. And I just had thoughts about like where I am, where I've been. It was about grace and the things that I've learned the hard way, becoming a better person. Ever since I did that podcast a couple weeks ago, My Pain, My Entertainment, where I was just really forthright about some of the things that I've been dealing with, people have just been very open with me. And in response to that, I've been more open. It's like, you know, I've shared, you share, now we're just a big sharing circle. So I wrote about that. And some people took that as a commentary on what my friend had done. That really bothered me. Because I'm very direct. When I write about things, I choose my words very carefully. I'm very direct when I write about it. But I was really having a moment of sharing and introspection. And I hated that it got twisted into something ugly. And people came on my page and started throwing my divorce in my face. Because they thought I was supporting a friend who made extraordinarily poor decisions. And I had actually not planned to comment on what he did. I ended up having to because of all the questions that were coming up. And I'm like, I ain't do shit. How is my name being sullied in this mess? Because someone that you think I'm besties with did something. Like, he's the homie. Don't get me wrong. But I haven't talked to him in months. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's a popular relationship blogger, a male, He had a very public relationship with a woman. They were engaged and their relationship ended. I haven't been in the mix. I don't live in New York. I haven't lived there in a year and a half. I haven't 
seen him in probably two years. Talked to him, but haven't seen him. I didn't even know that their engagement was off. I also wasn't invited to the wedding to give you perspective on how close our friendship is. But somehow I still get caught up in messy, mixy shit. They were supposed to get married on Sunday. Obviously, the wedding had been called off. His ex-fiance wrote a post on their wedding blog explaining why the marriage did not take place. Without going into great detail, she had screenshots my friend engaging in some nefarious shit. So many people read the post and so many people were discussing it that he then became a trending topic on Twitter. People did not have nice things to say about him because of what he did. Fair, fair. I will not join in on that. Obviously, if a woman wrote in to me and she told me that her fiance had cheated on her and she caught him via text, and she kicked him out and called the wedding off, I would applaud her reaction. I would tell her, good for you for not wasting your pretty. I would say that her ex-fiance behaved in a deplorable manner. I will not pretend that my friend's actions were in any way acceptable. He shouldn't have done that dumb shit. No way around it. Can't defend it. Can't clean it up. Don't need to because I didn't do it. I don't know how other people behave in their friendships, I will not use my platform to attack somebody that I've called a friend who's been to my house, who's broken bread with me. I don't like what he did. But the first thing I did when I saw that it was trending, I saw the mob mentality going after him. I hit him up and was like, bruh, I hope you're okay. Are you okay? My phone is on ring if you ever need to talk. That's the type of friend I am. Enough other people in the world have told you that you are trash. I don't need to add to that. Not as your friend. We could talk about if you want at some point what you did and how you got there. Cool. And maybe that makes me a sucky person. Maybe that makes me not a good feminist or I don't know. But I'm okay with that. I've been in the center a few times. Every Sunday when the show was airing. That mob mentality of everybody telling you you ain't shit. Like thousands of people all at once. If you've never been in it, you don't know how bad it is. And you could delete your Instagram. You could delete all your social media. But when something crazy happens like that and everyone focuses on you, your friends start hitting you up, asking for details. If it's big enough, it goes outside your peer group. Your friends, parents see it. Your relatives see it. Your own parents see you. Your parents, coworkers, former coworkers, people they went to college with, random folks who just happen to know your parents. Maybe somebody's on the deacon board. Everyone just starts hitting you up. Everyone starts hitting up your family. Then your family is hitting up you. You could turn your phone off, but if your face is recognizable, you can't really go in public. You have a conversation with somebody you think is a friend. That person goes online and starts tweeting word for word everything you said. Like, it's a lot. And I don't say that to excuse what he did. You can't excuse it. He was wrong. But I can't, as someone who's been in the middle of that a few times, I can't do that to somebody else. Not somebody I know. Not somebody who I've called a friend. Also, don't stop calling people friend just because you do something that I don't like. I can tell you I think your behavior is trash without throwing you under 
the bus publicly. I can hold you accountable privately. And that doesn't mean that I approve because I don't say anything publicly. His ex-fiance, I feel for her. I see people saying, oh, it's been four months. She should get over it. Nah, it takes a little longer than four months to get over something like that. They were together for five years. And that's a huge betrayal. So I feel terrible for her. She definitely has my, my sympathies. I make no excuses for what he did. And again, I don't have to because I didn't do it. I do hope that she is able to heal. And I hope that through this process, when I wrote it on Monday, it didn't apply to him, but people wanted it to. So let's go ahead and make it. I hope that in this process where he has been held publicly accountable, he has been shamed. I hope that As he's been ripped apart, there's still enough left of him to put pieces back together and rebuild as a better person. Anybody who's going through a storm. I feel that's important to say because every time I say it, people are like, oh, my God, I needed to hear it. I say it again for you then. There's life after you being the worst of you. There's life after being the center of a public shaming. There's life after. There's life after embarrassment. There's life after humiliation. There's life after nuke bombing your life, whether it's a choice you made or it's something that happened to you. There's life after. Just keep going. So that's that. If you haven't at this point registered for Daily Harvest, I would definitely encourage you to do so. All this time that I've been talking, I'm still hungry. Next time I will order more food. Leave it in the freezer. Or actually go to the grocery store and be a responsible adult instead of drinking tequila, my 26-year-old cousin. Perhaps I need to make better decisions as well. But if you want to get access to Daily Harvest, you know what the drill is, people. If you want to have the easiest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables first thing in the morning, before bed, and any time in between, you know what to do. If you forgot, I'm going to tell you again. You're going to go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code RESPECTABLE. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, a bull. And you are going to get three cups free in your first Daily Harvest box. That's promo code RESPECTABLE, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, a bull. For three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com. You know what else I want you to do? If you haven't had a chance to pick up Elaine Welteroth's new book, More Than Enough, Claiming space for who you are, no matter what they say. You're going to visit audible.com slash respectable, audible.com slash respectable, R-E-S-P-E-C-T-able. Or you can text respectable to 500-500-500-500. Get a listen to Elaine's book. She has a lovely voice. It's a lovely book. I can't wait to like dive into this book. Maybe I'll just listen to it on the plane. No, because on the plane, I'll be editing this podcast. All right. That's all, folks. I've got to go finish packing. By the time you hear this, I will be hopefully in Miami. Not going to miss my flight. And I'm going to make sure I have underwear in my bag this week. Last time I traveled, I didn't. Oh, just FYI. We're on a regular schedule for the podcast. We're off our 90-day trial or our 120, whatever the trial was. We're done. It's a weekly thing. 
You might get it Friday sometimes instead of a Thursday. Thank you for working with me. My ass is working. Grind mode. Also trying to balance. So we will talk again next week. Okay. Bye.